book four chapter eleven of the heavenly twins this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit LibriVox.org. the heavenly twins by sarah grand book four chapter eleven how long the tenor's dream would have remained unbroken by action it is hard to say his want of personal ambition his perfect serenity of mind and his thankfulness for a state of things so much more blissful than anything he had ever expected to fall to his lot again the languid summer weather and his affectionate anxiety for the boy all combined to keep him in morning quest and to keep his indefinite plans for the future still in abeyance other people however were not so apathetic the dean's friendly remonstrances had been redoubled of late the boy had become importunate and even the mild musicians of morning quest whose boast it was to have that bright particular star in their own little firmament ventured to hint respectfully that he was not doing his duty by himself all this kindly interest in his future career was not without its effect upon him and if it did not actually rouse him to act it put him in the mood to be aroused he was sitting alone one evening in his accustomed seat beside the fireplace or rather beside the bank of ferns and flowering plants which he had arranged before the fireplace so as to hide it at the instigation of the boy a shaded lamp stood on a table behind him throwing its softened light from over his shoulder on to the big book which lay open on his knee but he was not reading he had placed his hands upon the book and was resting his head on the back of the chair his yellow hair seemed to shine out of the surrounding gloom with a light of its own but his face was in shadow the window at the further end of the room behind him was shut and the creepers outside brushed gently against it tapping now and then and keeping up a continual soft rustle and murmur of leaves like friendly voices soothing insensibly the other window was open as usual and as he sat now he could see the old cathedral opposite towering above him it was a bright moonlight night the shadows were strong and the details of the facade flying buttress gargoyle and cornice with a glimpse of the aspen spire were all distinct but as the tenor thoughtfully perused them the whole fabric suddenly disappeared from view blotted out by an opaque body round which the moonlight showed like a rim of silver tracing in outline the slender figure of the boy the tenor had forgotten him for once and was startled from his reverie by the unexpected apparition but he did not alter his position or make any sign the boy preferred to come and go like that ungreeted and unquestioned and the tenor of course humoured this harmly peculiarity with the rest the boy sauntered in now in a casual way arranged his hair at a mirror threw himself into an armchair leant back crossed his legs folded both hands on his hat which lie held on his knee and looked at the tenor lazily in the little pause that followed the tenor glanced at his book again and then he closed it miss raphael the boy said suddenly leaning forward to look at the book as if to make sure and speaking in an awestruck voice is that the bible you were reading any evidence of the tenor's simple piety which was neither concealed nor displayed 
because it was in no way affected but quite natural to him and he was therefore unconscious of it had a peculiar effect upon the boy it seemed to shock him but whether it made him feel ashamed or not it is impossible to say sometimes the first effect over he would remain thoughtful as if subdued by it but at others it appeared to have irritated him and make him aggressively cynical to-night he was all subdued you believe it israphael don't you he said he watching is a fact for you the tenor did not answer except by folding his hands upon his book again and looking at the boy now i don't believe a word of it the latter pursued but it makes me feel i have my moments the bible is a wonderful book i open it sometimes and read it haphazard i did last night and came upon oh israphael the grand simplicity of it all the wonderful solemn earnestness it brought me to my knees and made me hold up my hands but i could not pray i heard the chime though that night it sounded insistent it seemed to assert itself in a new way it was as if it spoke to me alone and i felt a strange sense of something pending something for which i shall have to answer he watching yes i feel all that but dejectedly one feels so much more than one knows and when i want to know i am never satisfied trying to find the little we know amongst the lot that we feel is a veritable search for mignonette seeds in sand the tenor continued silent and thoughtful for a time but do you never pray dear boy he said at last the boy shook his head did you never oh yes more cheerfully i used to believe in all the bogies at one time i am afraid you have been brought under some bad influence then tell me who was it angelica said the boy oh boy your sister ah uh, you don't know that young lady the boy rejoined with his cynical chuckle she is very fascinating i allow but always in conversation the serpent hisses where the sweet bird sings the tenor toyed with the cover of his book and was silent after a time the boy spoke diffidently but do you pray israphael he asked yes the tenor answered i try to make prayer the attitude of my mind always i mean i try to be and to do and to think nothing that i could not make a subject of prayer at any time but i do not think that a direct petition is the only or best way to pray it seems to me that it is in a certain attitude of mind we find the highest form of prayer a reverential attitude toward all things good and beautiful by which we attain to an inexpressible tenderness that enemy of evil emotions and also to rest in peace and a great deep solemn joy which is permanent i don't think i ever knew a man before who prayed regularly the boy observed thoughtfully rising as he spoke and standing with his hat on except the clergy i suppose but then that is their profession and so one thinks nothing of it but i wonder if many men of the world pray i suppose they have to give up everything that makes life pleasant before they can conscientiously begin far from it said the tenor smiling but you are going early aren't you hungry the boy grinned as if the insinuation were flattering no i am not hungry he answered i dined at home to-night for a wonder and when i do that i don't generally want any more for some time by home i mean at my granddad's 
where they always have seven or eight courses and i can't resist any of them i lose my self-respect but satisfy my voracity which has the effect of improving the greediness out of my mind but i am in a hurry this evening and i have already outstayed my time i only came in for a moment to ask you if you are to sing to-morrow the tenor nodded in that case i am to beg for wafter angels angelica ventures to make the request good-night the words were scarcely spoken and his flying footsteps were still audible as he ran lightly up the close when the cathedral clock began to strike there was only one emphatic throb of the iron tongue followed by a long reverberation and then came the chime the tenor who had risen stood listening with upturned face until the end but the chime failed of its effect for once there was something weary and enigmatical in the old worn strain hitherto it had always been a comfort and an assurance to him but to-night for the first time it was fraught with some portentous meaning was there any cause for alarm in what was happening any reason for fear that should make it merciful to prepare him with misgivings it was no new thing for the tenor to be asked to sing something special and he tried to think such a request although it came from angelica if indeed it came from her and was not a fabrication of the boys was a whim as trifling as the rest but even if it were trifles as all the world knows are not to be despised some one has said already that they made up the sum of life and it may also be observed that the hand of death is weighted by them End of book four, chapter eleven.